0: Hello and welcome to the shiny new object podcast. This is a podcast about the future of marketing. Every week I have the pleasure and the privilege to interview someone influential from the industry and this week is no different. This is the second interview with my friend and local forest gate dad pal Adam Boyder. Um, Hello. Um, I'm excited about this conversation for a variety of reasons, but one of which is there was a kind of secret t- subject that you couldn't talk about yes. last time. It yeah. was very much a shiny new object. It was a very shiny new object. And we will we will get on to that, but we met a couple of years ago, I guess, around that time when I was at We Are Social and you were head of marketing at mm-hmm. Puerto Rico. Yeah. Uh, but things have changed since then. Could you give... Some people who've heard the previous conversation a bit of a, yeah, a bit sure. of history.
1: So, as a Pernod Ricard, looking after, I started out looking after Absolute Vodka, but slowly got to uh, have the privilege of working across the whole portfolio. So, gins like Beef Eater, Monkey 47, Plymouth, Rums, Havana Club. Um, you know, just a phenomenal portfolio, including loads of champagnes and etc. Um, that you probably would have heard of. Um, but it's always, I've always kind of taken it back to the work I did on Absolute and, and pretty much the work that I did at the end of um, working on Absolute was around kind of purpose-driven marketing uh, and purpose-driven brands. Um, you know, Absolute back in the 1980s was very purpose-driven in terms of how, how you know, how creativity can kind of, uh, I guess, help um, but also the just the, the positive change that creativity can have. So back in the day, you know, Absolute was the first advertiser to take the, the back covers on prominent gay magazines at the time, which is something that, you know, an alcohol brand, let alone any brand, would do. Um, so they're very progressive in that sense. And then, you know, fast forward 20, 30 years later, still very much working with the LGBTQ plus um, community with our limited editions. And it's really the last um, campaign we did for the, for the LGBTQ plus limited edition we did where well, we worked with Stonewall and we had an amazing film which featured many um, actors and actresses from the LGBTQ plus community really kind of talking about gender fluidity and the fact that you know at a time where Trump and the rise of the alt-right all that kind of stuff was going on it was all about at the end of the day absolutely supported kind of free love and love since the 1980s. And so just having worked on that campaign really gave me a sense that even if you're working for a private company, and for a company that's very commercial, you can still promote good in the world and also be true to your brands and your brand's DNA. So as I was working on that, it kind of led me to obviously launch the side hustle, which we'll probably talk about um, in a moment, but it also led me to think about, you know, for for my main job, what did I want that next step to be? Um, and I wanted it to be a job with purpose but equally still working what I call the red thread throughout my whole of, whole of my career having worked at PlayStation before before Absolute. It's always been about youth marketing and understanding kind of ne- the next generation that's coming through and so that led me to just seeking out um, other opportunities but actually this opportunity sought me out and um, Headhunter called me and said have you heard of this company called NCS and I was like uh, have, have not but the more i researched about it and it stands for the national citizen service was set up 10 years ago as part of um, david cameron's big society piece and it just does amazing work you know over the last 10 years they've had over five hundred thousand 000 um, young adults aged 16 to 17 go through the program and they've committed over 12 million hours of social action to to the united kingdom and you know, just having that movement and what that can create, especially in such a uh, you know the the kind of atmosphere that we have today in society, in terms of you know um, all the issues that we face, it just felt that this was kind of like a glimmer of hope, and that actually the new, the, the next generation, um, if we can equip them with the tools uh, and give them the self belief that we know that they have, then they can effect quite big change on the scale that you you know you see see today in terms of you know the the rise of um, Greta Thunberg and all those other kind of organisations that are kind of pushing at the forefront of kind of positive social change. So it was an opportunity that I couldn't really pass up. And um, the opportunity was obviously to work for a purpose driven organisation. It's a royal charter body, which means that it has um, support from all of the um, political parties. So it's you know party agnostic, which is great. Um, and there was the opportunity to create a whole new campaign update the brand identity and kind of refresh that for the next generation so that was just you know as a marketing director walking into that that's just you know the greatest brief find a great agency find great agency partners create a new identity and uh let's really kind of go for a vision for the future and what what you know kind of set out our stall as to what the tech next 10 years could be
0: right so 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 much stuff there so so let's stay with ncs to just for a couple of minutes so i it was new to me when you said you were going there, and you said you've had those you know, hundreds of thousands of kids go through the the process. What is that? What what is the what is the benefit to the, the kids that go through that? Where do they start and where do they come out?
1: Yeah, so um, good question. Um, first of all, it's it's um, you know, subsidised by the government. So, um, each each young adult pays no more than fifty pounds, and if you are on benefits or if you need some help financially, then uh, for some people it's you know ten pounds, for some people it's free. So there is no barrier to entry in terms of price. Um, because the you know the the government and governments and parties believe in this in the, in the program, so it's essentially split into three to four phases. So phase one is all about um, what we call kind of like um, being epic. So it's very much kind of like adventure driven. So uh, you'll be um, probably I guess one of the biggest things is is making sure that you're taken out of your kind of current environment. Um, we kind of do a four hour travel radius from where you live and put you together with people from different backgrounds different ethnicities to really ensure that we create a good social cohesion um, to give people the empathy um, so they kind of care about other people within society connect with other people in society and kind of bridge those social divides that are kind of set up around us without us seeing them you know they're not physical but they're there and so that that's to encourage social cohesion at a very kind of broader level but we do that through phase one which is about going out on adventure you might be kayaking you might be abseiling or you might just be going on a really cool walk and that obviously just through the through that first week you get to meet new friends meet new people Um, and that's kind of like what we call like a bonding session but also starting to learn kind of leadership and team building skills and then phase two is what we call residential so you might be camping or you might be in university residential accommodation because it's over the summer so university halls are free for you know people to to kind of take on that accommodation and that's where they learn kind of like skills such as could be anywhere from sex sex education to coding to presentation skills Um, they have lots of reflection time where they talk about how they feel um, and use mediums such as film or photo photography to kind of um, build on that reflection think about where they want to go in life think what, what they want to do um, and loads of different kind of varieties of classes to really figure out what they might be passionate about but who also who they are as an individual and then the kind of towards the end of that kind of phase two you start to think about how you'd like to give back to your local community and we have many partners it could be local charities local arts organizations or actually just the Uh, the young adults on program come up with what they would like to do themselves as part of a social action project giving back to the local community and then phase three is really about then making that local action project happen so that could be you know raising money through a bake sale it could be um, volunteering at an old people's home it could be um, environmental so picking up litter in a park or cleaning up a river cleaning up a beach um and obviously this all happens at a regional level but what we also find is that some of these initiatives are so great that they can actually be replicated on a national scale so um whether or not you agree with it or not you know the food banks are a reality in in england and uk at the moment and um, One of the teams said, well, you know, quite often when people say, can you donate to food banks, typically they say, you know, go around and buy an extra can of X or an extra packet of this and then drop it off at the till at the end. But people as they go around forget. So what they did is very simple idea, which was let's label food within the supermarket that we know is really, really good for food banks and so therefore it encouraged people as they were going around to just pick up the food that was just such an obvious idea but had such a great impact and the the team that did this actually met one of the girls today when we were um uh talking to our youth board and uh yeah they they it was so successful that Sainsbury's basically then rolled it out across the whole of their their estate and it's those kinds of simple ideas um where you know young adults can kind of spot those obvious things that are so simple that can have such a great national impact and that's kind of what we're what we're looking for is kind of regional ideas that add up to something that has national impact.
0: And so what what have been the jarring differences between working at NCS versus Pernarico? There's the, the red red line of what you know, red, thread. red thread of consistency <laughs> whatever it's called, which is lovely. But um I know that um, the alcohol sector isn't it, it at all encouraging like abuse of alcohol in any way. Um, huge on responsible drinking. Yeah. But fundamentally, it's it's drinking, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Where, but whereas um, you know you're you're transforming kids' perception of themselves, society, and their impact on it. Yeah. And um, what what have been what have been the main changes that you've as as a job as a marketer that mm. you've really noticed?
1: Um, I think congruence in terms of not only can you do purpose-driven marketing but you're working for a purpose-driven brand and that feels good to walk in into the door there's no real um thinking about you know am I doing something that's not worthy I'm not saying you know for people who work in other private organizations it's um the work you do is irrelevant absolutely not but it just for me just where I was in my life stage and Um, and the side hustle that I'm doing now, it just felt, it just felt right. And actually it felt that actually all of the experience I had from PlayStation, all the experience I had from Absolute in terms of like being able to understand youth, understand kind of their kind of mindset. And then with Absolute about kind of, that kind of purpose driven, put those two together. And that's why I I came with MCS. So I I kind of generally look at it as more kind of like parallels. So, you know, the parallel being that uh, we kind of now report into DCMS and government, whereas beforehand I would report into the global team and you have those same kind of similar conversations where you're creating a campaign, you're getting sign-off and you have the same kind of um, you know, sign-off procedures and, and that kind of r- relationship that you need to build, but arguably they're very much in parallel. The one thing I really enjoy is the fact that it's a, a UK-based organisation, which means that you're creating content, advertising, communications, identity, all for people living in the UK, whereas often when you find, when you work for global organisations, typically, the assets that are created you know they'll be leading with the us and then you try and like europeanize it and it doesn't quite work and therefore you end up creating great assets but sometimes that don't quite hit the mark and then the only opportunity you have is to localize and that typically is around digital media um events and experiential um when when we're when i was at perno um so to be able to be able to control everything from media to creative to the actual platform that we have so digital Um, and because we're a kind of service-based organization you know you can have a tech stack you can have a dmp you do have enough monthly users and monthly visits in order to be able to take advantage of that in terms of you know retargeting or suppression marketing so it kind of really in in some ways is the most sophisticated kind of marketing organization i've worked in um which surprised, but also you know, enthralled me as to the yeah. opportunity that was that was there.
0: So, let's move on to the your shiny new
1: object. Sorry, which, yeah. which is not <laughs> uh,
0: it not the shiny new. Well, it's definitely shiny. I'm, I'm looking at it. Um, so, um, yeah, you're I, surrounded I, by bags. <laughs> bags. So we. I can't remember what you told me about about this, but i um, actually I just need to open this drink. We're in your. Uh, it's your spare room or your studio.
1: The the kind of home office. Home
0: office. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of cool shit in here. Actually, it's very nice. Um, uh, So yes, rather informal this evening. Um, And you said, oh, I'm I'm launching a a bag company. Before we get to that, that, that's not the first side hustle you've done. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Yeah. So um, if you ask my parents, as as Adam always had an entrepreneurial streak. It started when I was probably seven. I was selling uh, the best picked Conkers to uh, the <laughs> local kids around where I grew up. What
0: was the name of the business?
1: Um, it w- I was just, so just, just <laughs> here's a box of awesome conkers. <laughs> Come and buy them for one or two P. And, uh, you know, I picked all the conkers, got all the, got all the good conkers and, you know, cheese cutters and the big ones and the small ones and uh, charged the kids for them. They took them back to their homes and then the parents said, what, you bought these for 1 and 2p? And so they brought all the conkers back and made me give them the money back yeah, and told my mum and dad that um, I'd swindle them out of their money, uh, <laughs> even though it's probably only 20p in, in total. But um, So that was my first entrepreneurial outlet. But yeah, the previous one for me is always starts with a book. And, um, you know, some of the some of these books, you know, you kind of take with a pinch of salt and some of them, you know, you just have to read between the lines. But the first book I read was The 4-Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. And it was all about how you can it was the kind of, you know, rise of digital and kind of tools that you can use um, and how you can automate processes. And uh, I was in Sri Lanka uh, traveling with a friend. We both surfers. When you're, when you're surfing, the biggest issue you have is being able to keep your valuables safe on the beach. Obviously, you're not going to take your passport on the beach, but, you know, a bit of spare change, your keys for the car if you're driving one or your, your hotel key card. So I just... You know, so, well, let's hide it in a suntan cream bottle. And that's where it came from. So we actually yeah, so I actually created after Sri Lanka um, a fake suntan cream bottle that um, is water resistant. And you can hide your valuables in on the beach. So, you know, thieves don't steal it. And, and um, at a
0: glance, it looks like.
1: A... And at a glance, it looks like <laughs> any other thing. Yeah. And uh, at the time, I was working at PlayStation and we did a lot of merchandise. And I contacted my, my friend, Annalise at Dynamite Promotions, who I'm still very much in touch with. And she does a lot of uh, merchandise. Um, for like said Disney and loads of kind of film companies. And she helped me source the manufacturers in China make sure it was ethically made. And even at that point, I made a point of making sure that the, you know, the cardboard could be recycled. Uh, the plastic that we were making, the bottle out could be recycled as well. And whether or not I knew it at that point, I just wanted to make it as green as I could. And, you know, the whole environmental wave that we're now experiencing wasn't even there yet. But, you know, being a surfer and it being on the beach, it was just kind of a no-brainer. And so, yeah, I remember creating um, the concept on PowerPoint, got the mould made, got a a sample made. I remember nipping out of my lunch hour at PlayStation and uh, going to see the head of sales at Firebox in Streatham Hill um, selling him this, and they placed an order in there for 500 units. Um, minimum order quantity was a thousand, so we basically placed a thousand. Um, we had our first order of 500, and then it just continued from there. Um, um, what was it called? TanSafe. Right. We went with SunSafe to start off with, but then we t- uh, the, but we went through all the trademarking. And we wouldn't get away with it, so yeah, TanSafe. Um, and, and is it's, it
0: still going? And still yeah, still it's it?
1: just uh, again automated processes. so I learnt there to think about. Automated invoicing. Uh, I have a warehouse um, which I, I got through a friend's contact that has super low rates and super low storage rates. And literally, I now get an order in from, say, Firebox and one of our other retailers, forward it to the warehouse, uh, raise an invoice on zero, and that's it. And it literally is like you know, there's no such thing really as passive income because you've got to set it up to start off with and you've yeah. still got to nurture it and all that kind of stuff and we probably could have more retailers on board than we currently do but to be honest with you something that just sits in the background and pays for you know a bit of investment in your eyes per year or, or a family holiday I'm all about that
0: right but it's done it's done more money than that over the years does not it I mean, we don't need to talk about how much but it's a, it's a not insignificant amount of money that it's, yeah that it's made we, over the I years.
1: mean we must have sold at least I don't know Three about probably about I don't know twenty five thousand units. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun um, yeah, and we still haven't cracked America yet. So if anyone knows any distributors in America, let me know. Um, and
0: what happened after that? What, did you, did you go to the uh, to the to the banks straight after that? Or did, so I
1: that was really interesting. One. One. So I think the Tansei thing really showed me automating processes. How to set up a business, how to set up an LTD, business banking, all the kind of things, all the kind of shell that you need around to, to kind of drive something like that forward. Um, and then the bags came around by, I mean, I remember even on my first date with my now wife, she remarked, oh, I can't believe you already knew what your favorite bag brand was. And it says Ale Capolino And I've, I've been obsessed with men's bags um, and always looking out for the perfect man bag. Um, then we met a friend, um, called Samata who, um, works for a red carpet, green dress who, um, they basically work, she works with some, uh, Susan or Samantha Cameron, who's David Cameron, David Cameron, um, James Cameron, the movie director's Hi. wife, who is vegan, sustainable, eco conscious. And they have this thing called red carpet, green dress where they dress celebrities. I think it's one or two celebrities a year on the red carpet in uh, an eco dress and they PR that. And so uh, I was just chatting to her and she invited me to kind of London Fashion Week and we got chatting and I was just talking to her about how much I love bags and how much I wanted to create eco bags. And she just basically kind of chatted me through things. And I thought, well, actually that's, you know, I think you know, marrying the two together, it's definitely, um, you know, definitely for me. And then I was traveling in Hong Kong and I, um, actually, no, sorry, let me get the story right. I met someone's husband and he worked for Fred Perry, and he said, "If you're going to Hong Kong, my wife my wife is half Chinese." And he said, "You should check out this area in Hong Kong. It's where all the cool kind of fabrics are made." Um, so I, I kind of checked that out, and as I was doing that in Hong Kong, um, which we go to every year, I was just texting a friend, and I said, "Oh, you know, I'm thinking of starting a bag business. I'm in Hong Kong currently," and she was like, "Oh my God, you should meet my friend um, John, who runs a." uh international sourcing company for bags so they make bags for like hunter alexander mcqueen um kurt geiger all this kind of stuff and i'm thinking oh my god you know, it's kind of big time he's never going to really do it. but anyway within 24 hours i pulled together a pitch document had my ideas for the design what materials i wanted to do met john we really hit it off and he was like "Look, we've been burnt in the past um but we really like what you're doing no one else who's really thinking about sustainable materials, certainly within the bag industry. We know that our clients are gonna be thinking about these kind of sustainable materials in the future. We'll work for you for free for a year in exchange for all of the information that you have currently shared with us, which a lot of it we haven't even thought about, yeah. uh, and we know what you wanna do. So you kind of believed in me really, which is amazing um, because if you go out to China, it's, it's really very difficult to find ethically sourced factories, you know how do you find the materials so i almost gave them a shopping list to say you know the factory needs to be sa8000 compliant or wrap gold i want recycled plastic bottle fabric i'd even sourced some of the um the suppliers myself who, and they didn't even know that existed so for example we use a plant-based foam which is made from 60 percent algae biomass which is taken from algal bloom on lakes which causes you know uh, carbon dioxide okay. um, and they were like oh, I know you know the, the best foam is the EVA foam and I'm like yeah but that doesn't really biodegrade over a, a short period of time and they're like no that's all there is and then I found this American company called Bloom Foam who now work for Adidas and loads of other brands and we're the second bag brand in the world to use the foam as part of our padding still so you know if you if you care passionately enough about it you, you, uh, you will find the right materials and you know, as I've always said, the materials we using in the bags are not going to be the materials or be, will be replaced with the materials of tomorrow. Um, and uh, yeah, and there were loads of other serendipitous things. So again, I was researching in Hong Kong at the same time, you know, what, what names we could use for the brand. And I said to my dad, you know, what does Boita mean? I think it means something like backpack in Italian or you'd said something like that. And effectively it came from the North Piemonte region in Italy um, and it means box on back. So they would import these, copper sulfate backpacks from France, so Les boites, and then it got to Italy and it became Italianized and it became Boiter. And so literally my ancestors would just go in the vineyards and spray the vines with copper sulfate, which is obviously not eco-friendly these days. And the you know, they use organic pesticides, but back in the day. And so it's that kind of utilitarian functional style that kind of dominates our, our design today, married with the best, um, most up-to-date kind of sustainable materials. Um, and uh, in a package that looks good and, and that was the real big thing we, we really thought about was you know do we become a sustainable brand or do we become a brand that people like the look of and want to wear and ultimately you can't just be known for s- sustainability your brand has to stand for something it has to have its own unique aesthetic but if it's underpinned by a very strong ethical and sustainable um, point of view especially in today's climate then that's kind of hopefully a, a winning combination so um, yeah.
0: So how, how did the design element work so you were would- you were, you had this kind of want and this need and this interest.
1: Yeah, and then you. Were oh, it started with another book because actually on the way oh, over, okay. over on the plane I read <laughs> the the idea the idea inside you and how it could change everything. Again, another really cheesy title, but it always starts with a book that inspires me, and I often think when you're on a flight. You've got time to think about things. My wife is pregnant at the time. It's amazing when your wife is expecting how much that focuses your mind because if you're going to do something, you are oh, going to yes. do it. As you know, Tom, I can as, you too, that. as you well know. Um, and uh, <laughs> so it was daunting. just the combination of those things. So the design really came from me sketching something out, putting it into almost like a, a, a PowerPoint CAD, giving it to my friend Pi who worked for Fred Perry just to say from a design point of view, what else would you change? And he was great in terms of just giving a few pointers they then turn that Sorry, into. Sorry,
0: a... better detail. You said PowerPoint, CAD. What, what do you mean? Like you, I literally
1: you, went you to in insert shape. Right. Okay. Square. Wow. And really. designed like little zips and all. Well, I've got all the original. And, and drawings. you tried to
0: build like a three D model within yeah. within PowerPoint? Within PowerPoint. Oh yeah.
1: God. Google Slides. Not even. Not even that advanced. Yeah. Right. That's uh, very quick. Yeah. 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 And uh, and then <laughs> and then what IDS, who's the, the the sourcing company in Hong Kong, did? They then turn that into professional three D CADs for me. We've got to make
0: a 3D cut of a bag,
1: yeah. Actually. They make a 3D cut of the bag and then they send that to the factory who interpret it. Um, and they then they give you a prototype, they send that over. And I remember the first prototype thinking, Oh my god, it's the most amazing thing in the world! And looking back when you see all the photos, they are quite shit. Really, what um, was wrong with it? I think I've got one, uh, I might even have it here in the room, but well, it's an audio media, yeah. So I know, I, have to I know. Push to... Um, but yeah, so. And, and that's just to, just to start to see the overall form of the bag. And then you, you iterate. You know, we went through probably five or six different iterations of that. And when you get down to the kind of finer details, then you do it in the final materials. Because up until that point, you don't want to waste expensive materials. So they do it in kind of like proxy materials and proxy zips. So all yeah. the zips and materials we use weren't eco, but it's to give you the, the form and function. Yeah. And then you do the final one. And um, I actually went over to Shenzhen a year later And just to really kind of chat to the guys, meet the factory workers, see that everything was above board. Um, And obviously I'm lucky enough that I go to Hong Kong every year, so I got my Chinese visa and went across the border and and, um, met the factory and kind of did those last tweaks to get the bag absolutely spot on. Um, And it's amazing transformation, like from what obviously what the prototype was to actually what really constitutes a retail ready e-commerce brand that you can actually launch. so yeah, that that was the process. And design. then
0: and then what happened? So you you went down
1: the Kickstarter route? Went down the Kickstarter route, yeah. And
0: why was that? Why didn't you just start selling it to Harrods or whatever? Like... Uh, I think that Sorry there's <laughs> such, such naivety on my part. I just going to Harrods <laughs> yeah, and sell yeah, it yeah. to them. I've no idea how that, that that works. So tell me what
1: Bags what do really well on Kickstarter, one. Um, how as a know product. That? Uh, so this kinda of goes into the the kind of tools that we started to use. So I, um, I used a, a, a thing called Stack Skills, which is an online video resource where they kind of teach you loads of different things. If you want to code, there's like a video for that. So I bought like two or three crowds, crowdfunding um, guides too, and kind of combined all the kind of knowledge. Some of them, you know, they all touch on the same elements but some touch on ele- better elements than others. And it was one of the uh, ones from the UK actually, a young lady who had kind of raised crowdfunding for, I can't remember what it was, but she she was a coder. So she understood all of the coding behind websites. And so for her, she was all about scraping data. So when you're looking at, you know, all of the, if you just go to Kickstarter and you look at, um, you know, show me bags that have sold well, you can you know, start cutting and pasting and putting it into spreadsheets and working out different price points and all the kind of USPs. She actually was just using, taught me how to use the scraper tool within Google Chrome that allows you to scrape all of the data that you want. It then imports it automatically into a spreadsheet. So you have literally title of project, cost it was, every single tier, what the USPs were, and oh, it's just there. So what would take yeah. someone like a whole day or two days to really compile that information took like two hours. It was ridiculous. Um, and then from that, you can then build like a histogram. So I th- knew that uh, where we should pitch our pricing. So should it be anywhere from, so we, we found that actually for ours, the price point was no more than 160 pounds um, because you're going to get the best return on your, you know, Facebook advertising and driving traffic to at that point and th- that reward. So just, Even that was just a huge insight, thinking, right, actually, we could definitely crowdfund this. And also, I think the advantage of crowdfunding is you're building an audience for your brand before you launch, right? So we use this uh, tool called Kickoff Labs, which is solely about creating a landing page for your brand before you launch on Kickstarter, pretty much, or any crowdfunding. Um, And what they do...
0: That's a a URL that goes, look at this cool thing, it's available on Kickstarter.
1: Exactly. A a Pre-Kickstarter. It's It's a a, pre-Kickstarter tool, yes. It's it's called Kickoff Labs. Um, We bought the URL, the bag with less baggage, because that's our tagline, um, which is all about, you know, a nod to sustainability. And also, you know, we wear bags on our back every day and just having less baggage. So we're not really trying to be super vegan or super, like, eco. And equally, we're not trying to be, like, you know, fast fashion, uh, very kind of, like, um, superfluous style. It's for people who want to make you know, changes every day in their lives. We wanna make it easy for people to buy brands. So, you know, reusable coffee cups, you know, a sustainable bag like ours, all of these elements that you can do in order to build a more eco-conscious lifestyle around you without having to work hard for it. And I think that's the thing. It's like people want to make change, but change is difficult, right? And so it's a responsibility, I think, of brands to enable that to happen and enable people to make a choice that, um, you know, might cost a little bit more or might cost the same but it's a better choice than the previous choice they were making. Um, And so, yeah, Kickoff Labs allowed us to create a landing page. They kind of gamify it. So the great thing is obviously you're collecting email addresses. We have our kind of launch video up there. Um, So we collected about a thousand email addresses in the end. So you've already got a pre, you know, you know, they're qualified traffic, qualified audience. They're interested in your product. So when you launch, you know, you've got an audience, at least from an email database point of view. And then the other two components are made up of PR. And, you know, Facebook ads and and kind of traditional kind of advertising.
0: Another thousand, how many of them bought a bag?
1: That's a good question. Was it
0: half or 25% or was it like...
1: Yeah, I would say out of... um, uh, Email was by far, I would say, two thirds of our driver of our sales. So it's it's so important to create um, an email list beforehand. Because, again, it's qualified traffic. People are already interested yeah. in the brand. They're going to buy yeah. it. And equally, they also want to buy the super early bird deal because that's the cheapest one. And, you know, they, they just kind of want to get on it at that point. So we had three tiers of, I think, 165. We had like 155, five, 165, 175. I think we were our three tiers. Um, and so, you know, so many people locked down at that, that first tier. Um, I would say, yeah, two-thirds of people who bought it were not were not family and friends, which is great. And a third were. So, you know, the third of your core that you can you know yeah. depend on yeah. but equally you know the feedback we've had from family friends is that they love the bags we've got great reviews you know first of all most it's got to be a great product right you know you're not going to put your name to something it wasn't an ego thing that i called it boy to bags you know we had loads of other names like yeah you know, i can't remember what they were but it just so happened that it was serendipitous that we chose that name because it meant something but if you're going to put your name to something the product's got to be great
0: and where where are you at with it now so you 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 went well over your Kickstarter target, I seem to remember you
1: were... Yeah, so that was the other thing that, you know, the stack skills taught us was that in the first 24 to 48 hours, you need to have at least 30 to 50% of your raise done because then that trick, it doesn't trick, but it trips the algorithm on Kickstarter then push you up the organic rankings. We would also um, email the editorial team to say, look, we're launching tomorrow. This is our target watch out for us and the result of that they made us the the kind of most loved brand that day and that week on kickstarter and so if you i think remember i think we if you search the best performing bags by magic on kickstarter for that week we were like number three So we're in the top 10 out of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of launches. So that then kickstarts the kind of algorithms, then push you organically up those listings when people are logging into Kickstarter because you have kind of serial Kickstarters that will just back anything. But if they, you know, that's what they look for. So, yeah, we raised, we did our raise in under a week with like another two weeks to go. So we did, yeah.
0: And so uh, to give me an idea of numbers, how many boiler bags are out there on people's backs as
1: we So 250? Right, Um, and since we launched on e-commerce we sold about another 20 so and um, as you know we're kind of just looking at optimizing the kind of ad funnel for that and making sure we get to a good cost per acquisition Um, but yeah that's that's the beauty of it you've got an inbuilt audience um, gives you momentum allows you to hit your minimums with the factory um, and also then allows you to get some great reviews you know just asking people how how they would improve the bag what they love about the bag getting them to write that on google We've got some great Google reviews. We've got over 30 Google reviews now. So again, if people Google Boiter, the first thing they'll see is obviously our website. They'll see the Google listing. They'll see the reviews. They'll see the positive reviews. So it all starts to build this this kind of positive reinforcing ecosystem, really. Um, but there's so many other tools we used um, to, to go live. We used Rocket Lawyer for all of our kind of contracts and kind of legal work with the um, uh, with the factory. We used... Uh, uh, for it,
0: any... Uh, for- yeah, you can't see this, but basically, Adam's got his deck out on his phone, <laughs> which is unbelievably typical. Oh, um,
1: it reminds me of ad tech.
0: And so, um, so what? What's gonna happen next? Is it? Is it more bags, more products, or are you gonna?
1: Yes, we're looking at new SKUs, So we currently just have the backpack, and um, we're looking at you know creating a tote, creating a weekender. Um, what's a weekender, sorry? You know, weekend bag. Right. Just like it's a a, backpack,
0: a, you use that for week a duffel bag, you right. know, a
1: nice duffel bag.
0: What's what's it? Sorry, um, you're a bag person. I'm. A, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the, back, I back, like back, the backpack we mind.
1: have is for like work, right? So you can fit your gym kit in it, you can fit your laptop, all your stuff for work. But you don't really want to take that on a nice weekend away to, I don't know, you've got a I deal think... on champneys or something like that. You're taking your your wife <laughs> and uh, away. Uh, so weekender is that kind of like it's like slightly like bigger capacity, right? Okay. Uh, it's more for that weekend getaway. And then your tote is just maybe if you're kind of like just the weekends, just slightly less fussy, just kind of shove everything in a day bag and kind of go around go around town and just do what you want.
0: And will you kickstart those bags as well?
1: TBC, really. Or, or
0: use your thousand plus whatever email addresses to... You know.
1: Yeah. I mean, crowdfunding is a good way of doing that, especially when you need to hit minimums on your first run.
0: So another technical question. So yeah. you, have a, you have a young child. Yes. And you have a, a job on the other side of London. Mm-hmm. How, how do you make all that work? How do you a, find the energy and the time? And like, there must be a. I know your your partner's an entrepreneur as well, yeah, uh, which
1: m- helps m- definitely must help. Yeah,
0: but uh, you know, you, you still have to nurture that relationship. And of course. You know, so how 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 do you decide what to put first? And how, how do you make the work life balance? Because not only have you got work, work, you've got yeah yeah like these extra things on top.
1: So I think I was fortunate enough to be able to set this up at the end of my kind of career at Perno, um, where I had a bit more time on my hands because I didn't have a ba- a child at that point really. Um, and my wife gave birth, you know, when the brand launched. So we kind of done all the kind of real big upfront work before that. So that, that was a, that was a bonus. Um, so she, yeah, she, she teaches yoga and also does motion graphics. So the great thing is like, you know, for example, Monday, Tuesdays and Thursdays, she'll be teaching until nine or 10 o'clock at night. So those evenings are the evenings that I reserve to work on the bags and then Wednesdays and Fridays and Saturdays is family time right Um, and then Sundays is kind of family time plus she does a bit of kind of yoga as well there so you know, we work it into our schedule and so it means that the time you do spend together is, is quality time because, you know, that's the time that's been yeah, dedicated yeah, yeah. and we don't, yeah. You know, ironically, we do reinforce each other. She, she, she's always talking about the yoga business, I'm talking about the bag business, she's a designer, so she kind of gets the aesthetic and so we do riff off each other, um, but we do try and kind of, you know, make sure we um, reserve time just to talk about us as a family, etc.
0: So bit of a guess but my assumption is that the people who listen to this podcast are, are interested in the future marketing um, and will work for agencies and brands yep. and the, I think there's a it, it, the early uh, Tom Goodwin said when he was on the podcast things at there is he said you spend the first 10 years of your life trying to get into meetings and the next 10, <laughs> 10 years of your career sort of <laughs> yeah, trying to get yeah, out of yeah, it yeah, which yeah. I really, really really like yeah great yeah um, um, and I think that a lot of people who listen to this podcast will be in that like trying-to-get-out-of-meetings period of their yeah. career and thinking, oh, I wish I could do something. I wish I could come up with a brilliant idea, uh, like the bags or the or the tan safe. Um, what advice would you give to someone who's listening to this podcast thinking, I've got a bit of time, I've got a bit of energy, but I don't have an idea, but I want to do something on my own that's mine? What, yeah, yeah. what would you
1: suggest that they do? Um. Be patient, I would say would be the first thing. I remember, you know, four years ago just having a real itch that I couldn't scratch. And I'd done the tan save thing and that was great and but it was never gonna make me, you know, be able to be completely scalable. And I just had this itch that I couldn't and I was just constantly thinking about ideas and businesses that I'd like to do. And then eventually like just certain puzzle pieces came together, so it was the purpose driven advertising from Absolute, the fact that I wanted to do something that was a bit more eco conscious, the fact that I'd given up meat and become a vegetarian for example um and just this kind of self-realization that if I was going to do something all those elements need to fit together and so it came came perfectly in the fact that I love bags was into eco stuff thinking about environmentalism and those puzzle pieces came together to create that and that's what drove me forward and you you definitely know when the idea is right because it just clicks and you can't not think about it and you can't not do it so mm-hmm. if you you know there's probably lots of trial and error try it and if you're not passionate about it after a month or two then it's probably not the right idea for you um so that would that would be from a from that point of view but it's definitely also the law of incremental gains like it's taken me two two and a half years to get to this point um and also don't beat yourself up about it especially if you've got a full-time job you've got a family just keep just keep just plugging away at it um but the biggest thing i would say is just you know there's never been a better time to start a business because of the tools that are available right and so a lot of those things like the stack skills that just frees up your time because time is your premium right um and so anything that can get around that so i know you use g suite right it's great you know 6.99 a month for your emails but you have access to almost to unlimited storage right from a a drive perspective um it syncs you can work on presentations on your phone on your laptop that's the that's the great thing about kind of g suite so google slides spreadsheets all that kind of stuff it's accessible anywhere the one thing i love uh, is when i get an order for TanSafe and i'm on holiday at the other side of the world and i can just log into zero send an invoice put it into my spreadsheets email the warehouse they send it out and i'm the other side of the world and yet i've made you know Whatever I've made by yeah, selling yeah, those yeah. tansays, right? Brilliant. And and that and those moments of what makes it worth it, I think. Um, other things we use, obviously, GoDaddy for like domains, AppSumo. I think is a great resource if you haven't signed up to it. We've probably only, I've only bought like two or three products off it. Um, one which was um, Stencil, which is like a super pared down version of um, Photoshop, but it's made for social media, so they have presets, templates. Uh, for Instagram stories, Facebook headers, emails, Snapchat filter, uh, Snapchat stories, like vertical stuff. I've got super simple filters, access to like 12 million photos of stock footage. You can upload your own fonts as well as use their own. And it's just super simple to use, save down and then just use for social media. So we, I found that tool incredibly um, useful and the great thing about AppSumo is it's always lifetime subscription so for like, for like a one-off fee so I think we bought it for $34 you get access to every single update for life and that's it's always the lifetime thing on AppSumo so you never ever pay a monthly subscription it's just a one-off fee and you have access to that tool for the rest of his life which is and amazing. And how does that
0: differ to something like Canva?
1: Uh, I, I, yeah I did explore Canva but I think again Canva hasn't been offered on AppSumo and if you if you kind no, of go yeah. for the yeah I think you then have to pay a monthly subscription if you want any kind of functionality, you know, the free stuff's never that good.
0: So be patient, don't give yourself a hard time. Yeah. Um, There's a ton of tools out there, like essentially digital is de-risked setting up a business. Yeah. Well, certainly a digital business anyway. Um. so can you, uh, is that, so that person's still going, but but I I still can't come up with the idea. Like where, where, what advice would you give to people for actually finding that inspiration?
1: Um, I would say, you know, it sounds... I think there's there's a weird thing about passion, right? And um, I've been thinking about this a lot. You know, people say, oh, you know, do your passion. That's what's going to kind of really be that congruence and make it happen. Sometimes passion actually just comes from mastery of something. So, like, for me, it was always about just creating something creating marketing creating propositions creating that so that's always been what I've been passionate about just creating ideas um I don't know where I'm going with this actually but I I think you'll know when you get the right idea it's just constantly if you have it in the back of your mind and you really really want to make an idea happen you'll be thinking about it cycling on your way to work you'll be thinking about it on the tube you'll be thinking about it maybe when you check social media be thinking about it in the shower in the morning and it, it will become a slow slow kind of realisation. But just think about things in your life you're passionate about. If it's photography, you know, what could you do around that? If it's around social media itself, is it about, you know, content agency? You create out of your friendship group, your content actually gets the, the best likes. Why is that? Analyze it. Mm. Could that be something you do? So it could be something just around your every day. For me, it was just about, I was always obsessed with bags, never really found the right bag for work. And so I thought, well, why not create one? If, it, if at the least it cost me... I don't know, 500 quid or 1,000 pounds to create the perfect bag. And it was just that, that was the only bag that was ever made. It was me. That was great. But what if I could then replicate that and other people like that bag? That was almost the thing. So it's that, it definitely comes down to that, um, what is it? Uh, the, the least amount you spend in order to make an idea. MVP. MVP, thank you. <laughs> My God, lost of words. But MVP, yeah, it really does come down to that. low risk. Like the TanSafe one was just like, I had a sample. It cost me 50 quid to make yeah. in a Chinese factory but that sample was enough to convince a buyer at uh, Firebox to then place an order for 500 of them and well, then and then you start thinking fuck okay how do I sorry swearing um how do I uh, how do... what warehouse do I have um I... what kind of shipping company should I use yeah. um, do I need insurance uh, should I ship it by air should I ship it by yeah. land But you then have to answer those questions and then that's what pushes you forward. So there becomes this tipping point where the MVP suddenly becomes real quite quickly and then you're almost compelled to then find out what are the other things. And you're quite quickly, you know, you can put a shout out on Facebook. Has anyone ever got a good warehouse? You know, that's how I found it. Has anyone (laughs) got a good freight forwarding company? Well, actually it was the merchandise company that helped me set up in the first place. Suddenly it just becomes very real quite quickly. Well, look,
0: uh let's let's leave it there as much as as ever we could we could talk for yeah the so we've we've covered off a whole bunch of stuff um the 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 red threads the absolute work um, and with perno and then with ncs and and the little side hustles, um tan safe and pointer bags Uh for anyone listening to this podcast or as Bruce Daisy said on his podcast the other day no one ever listens to the end so you can say what you like which <laughs> is what you quite like but, um, what, um, I'll, I'll share this with when we, we publish this but uh, what's the URL that you would want
1: listeners to go to I guess it would be www.boita.com which is b-o-i-t-a.com and for NCS it's ncsyes.co.uk.
0: brilliant, thank you so much that was fantastic Pleasure, again. Tom. thank you